Now turn with me this morning in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1. Philippians chapter 2. And we'll read the first 13 verses together. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. And you might think to yourself, well, you repeat that often, Pastor. And I believe it's right and proper that we emphasize, especially to a listening public, which version of the Bible we're reading from because we believe that the authorised version is the most reliable and most faithful translation of the Holy Scriptures and I have to stress this and I, I totally reject uh, other versions of the Bible being read and preached on in public worship let that be the NIV which I call the not inspired version and especially uh, a version, it's not even a version called The Message by Eugene Patterson and I want to say this and I would oppose any free Presbyterian minister that uses other versions of the Bible in public worship um, <coughs> let it be the NIV or the Message uh, by Eugene Patterson so I encourage you let's read from the scriptures uh, that God has blessed uh, down through the centuries and uh, let's hold fast to the form of sound words as found in our authorised version so Philippians chapter 2 and we're reading from verse 1 if there be therefore any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any bowels and mercies fulfil ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you 
both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 13. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scripture. Now my text this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 2. And it's the verses 2 to 4 that I want to think about primarily. And my theme today is entitled to heed the need for harmony in the house of God. Now two weeks ago I preached in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 where Paul deals with the threatening problem of division in the church. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 I believe is a call from Paul's prison cell for a united front in the church at Philippi. And we thought of why he issued this call. It was because of the church's consolation in Christ. Paul is using four ifs here. Four logical arguments, we said, to call for true unity in the church. Literally, it means, if we think of the strength of the word if, since certain things are true of you, then in light of these truths, you're obliged to do certain other things. Here's the first reason why the church should be united in the spirit of true unity. They are in Christ. And they have great consolations in Christ. God's people are in Christ. That is, they're in an ongoing, organic, saving relationship with Christ. I press home this message this morning again ask yourself am I in Christ the second thought that we had was the church's comfort in Christ I told you the word comfort means tender cheer and what brings to the heart the most tender cheer in a world of darkness in a world of difficulty when we face many problems and pressures And is it not this, the love of God in Christ? He says, if any, comfort of love. It's the love of God in Christ. The third thing we considered was the church's communion in Christ. Being united to Christ means we're united to one another in the bond of fellowship. And it's all brought about by the Spirit of God. And then we closed pondering the fourth argument for unity, namely the church's compassion in Christ. He says, if any, bowels and mercies. Now today I want to move on slightly from where we left off and look at verses 2 to 4. And here Paul is dealing with true unity linked to harmony in the house of God. So I've entitled it, Heed the Need for Harmony in the House of God. Look at the words in verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy. What does that mean? It means complete my joy. Or fill it up. What gave the Apostle Paul in prison the greatest joy in the world? Was it a get-out-of-jail-free card? No. Was it for a better prison cell, more spacious, nicer bed to lie on, 
decenter food? No. Was it not being chained to the Roman guard 24-7? No. Was it greater access to his friends? No. Was it engaging in a day-release scheme? No. Then, what filled up his joy? Here's the answer. That you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. True unity and harmony among God's people at Philippi. That was the completion of his joy. Paul was deeply concerned, I believe, about the lack of true unity and harmony among God's people there. He requests the saints of God there to make his joy complete. See, it's nothing to do with material things. People imagine uh, that their joy would be complete, uh, that if they had uh, millions of pounds, if they were maybe uh, had billions in the bank, that that would be the secret of happiness. Maybe somebody grows up thinking, if I had only married to such and such a footballer, or I was married to such a movie star, it would bring joy. I want to tell you it wouldn't. Because true joy is not related to material things. The, the fullness of joy, complete joy, is essentially related to spiritual things. Especially to the concept of true unity and harmony in the church. And here the Apostle Paul from prison issues a, a threefold call for harmony to the saints of God at Philippi. Here's the secret, if we want to have that title, of true spiritual harmony in the house of God. It's a threefold secret. And I'll tell you what it is. It's here in the text. Be like-minded. Be loving one towards another. And then be low-minded. We could ask this morning how many Christian ministers' hearts are broken over disputes in the church, over divisions, over discord with God's people bickering and backbiting against each other. Isn't that sad? But that's the reality. Because people can bicker and squabble over material things. And it can even destroy the work of God. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul had experienced in Corinth. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians, remember, was written to correct the divisions and the discord that was there in the church. And, and the Apostle Paul wanted them to put things right. He, he wanted them to be reconciled to one another. It's all about reconciliation between true believers who were divided and sowing discord one another. These divisions affected Paul's heart and mind. They affected him spiritually. It was in his second letter he wrote of the anguish and affliction that he felt in his heart in regard these divisions. And he shed many tears. We could really say the believers at Corinth broke his heart because of their division, because of their discord, because of their disputes. And he doesn't want the same thing to happen at the church in Philippi. So, so he calls for true unity to manifest itself. He calls for true harmony. And that's what we're thinking about this morning. 
Heed the need for harmony in the house of God. Three things. Heed the need to be like-minded. Notice he says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. And we'll, 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 we'll pause there. He's dealing here with what's going on in their mind. In the thought processes of the saints. If you think of the words, being of one accord, of one mind. You see, it has to do with that which is internally going on in their thought process. If an individual has turmoil in their mind, that individual may not be at peace with God. If he's not at peace with God, he'll not be at peace with himself. And if he's not at peace with God and peace with himself, he'll not be of a peaceful mind in relation to others. The reality is if we're in fellowship with Christ and in fellowship with one another, that this will be reflected in our like-mindedness. If we're at peace with God, we'll be at peace with God's people. You cannot be at peace with God and be at war with God's people at the same time. If we're out of fellowship with God's people, if there's wars and bickering and fighting amongst us, then it's an indication of where we're at spiritually that we're really out of fellowship with the Lord and we're not walking and living close to the Lord. See, the emphasis here is on their mind. This is what fills up my joy, that ye be like-minded. Literally, it's having the mind of Christ. Isn't that what he says in verse 5? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's an aspiration. It's a desire. It's an endeavor to be like Christ. And God's people, of course, should have that overriding thought in their mind that, that I want to be like the Lord Jesus. Well, if we want to be like Christ, then let's have the mind of Christ. Let's put on the mind of Christ. True saints, if they're gripped by the mind of Christ, that is, if they're full of the concept that they're in Christ and they're living for Christ and they're living through Christ and one day they're going to be with Christ, then part of the outworking of that will be this desire, this like-mindedness, this thought in my mind of being not only united with one another, but living in harmony with God's people. You see, true Christian fellowship, fellowship in the Spirit, is connected to the way we think. And the way we think is connected to the way we act. If we ask the question, what think of Christ? Wh whose son is he? What do you think of Christ this morning? Do you see him as God in the flesh, Lord of all, my prophet, priest, and king, the only saviour of sinners, my best friend, the one that I love? You see, what do you think of Christ and being taken up with him will have an impact of what you think of other Christians. 
Because if another Christian has the same thoughts of Christ, he's God in the flesh, he's Lord of all, he's a prophet, priest and king, he's their saviour too, and they love him as well, then, then we will have thoughts that are connected to that. He's not calling here for uniformity. He's not suggesting that there'll be like-mindedness on every subject under heaven. Think, for example, and I was trying to think of an illustration, a believer might like the colour pink or the colour red, and that's their favourite colour. We all have favourite colours, I suppose. But suppose somebody else says, well, you know what, I don't really like red. It's not really my colour. I prefer green. Well, somebody who prefers red and somebody who prefers green, the person who prefers red couldn't say to the person who prefers green, oh, oh, I can't have fellowship with you because you're not like-minded with me. Now, that's not what he's getting at. We're thinking about the secret of true harmony. The same mind when it comes to God. When it comes to the person and work of Christ, who he is and what he's like, what he's done. The same mind as regards to the Bible. You see, you heard me making reference this morning to the authorised version. You're maybe sick of hearing it, but you're, you're going to keep on hearing it. Why? Because I believe in the infallibility and the inerrancy and the authority of the Holy Scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. Every word of God is pure. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's why verbal and plenary inspiration matters. I don't want a translation that's given me the thoughts of some man who, who has sat down with the Greek and the Hebrew and says, well, I think it means this and I think it means that. I want a word-for-word translation. And that's what the authorised version gives us. And that's why it matters. And I want us to have the same mind in these things. And when it comes to the gospel, knowing what the gospel is, I have a message from God for you. If you're not saved here this morning, I have a message from God from you. And it's this, that you repent of your sin and put your faith and trust alone in Christ as Lord and Saviour. Having the same mind as regards sin. It was not a big debate among God's people. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And yet we have got away from that working definition. We have forgot that sin's a transgression of the law. And having the same mind when faced with heretical views of Christ, or having the same mind with regards false religion, or having the same mind as regards immorality, and, and, and on it can go. You see, it's thinking of the same things when it comes to Christ, the revelation of God, and the outworking of the gospel. And yes, there'll be differences when it comes to colours, be difference when it comes to holiday definition, be difference when it comes to a, a particular style of dress or jacket to wear. He's not dealing with that like-mindedness in that sense. He's dealing with it in a spiritual sense. Having the same mind on Christ and the outworking of the gospel. So, so there's the first secret. Heed the need for harmony in the house of God. 
be like-minded. Secondly, and very quickly, heed the need to be loving. Look, look again at the text, verse 2. Fulfill you, my, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love. Heed the need to be loving. Here's the second secret of harmony in the church, having the same love. Now, now what's he referring to? It's the love of Christ. You see, it's hard for those who truly love Christ, those who are in him, who live for him, who live through him by his strength and power, who long to be with him. It's hard for those to fall out with, to loathe and hate and despise another professing believer, even the ones who have hurt you, even the ones who have sinned against you. Even the ones who have harmed the church and brought division and discord into the church. Because the Bible teaches love covers a multitude of sins. And yet the love of Christ rules your heart. Then there will not be bitterness. And there will not be bad blood. And there will not be bickering. Why? Because true love, as I've said, covers a multitude of sins. True love will overcome the difficulty. I believe this morning that every true Christian is filled with the same love. The love of Christ. We're chosen in love. God says, I have loved you because I've loved you. No other reason. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 7. We've been called in love. Called to repentance and faith in Christ by a loving God. We have been cleansed in love. Because that's what motivated them. It was his grace and mercy and love to us in Christ, even when we were sin, that Christ died for us. And we're controlled by his love. To turn over there to Romans chapter 5 and look with me at verse 5. I don't want to bombard you this morning with references because I'm more concerned about what you're taking in than giving you 50 references. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. <coughs> He says, and hope maketh not ashamed, because, now notice these words, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And I want you to understand this morning that the love of God in Christ is a gift. In fact, all that we have in the Christian life is a gift. I was sharing with Brother David McCulloch, who was in the hospital from last Sunday. We were thinking about this. Everything we have is a gift. Repentance is a gift. Faith is a gift. Prayer is a gift. What a privilege it is to pray. The word of God is a gift. Christ himself is a gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The gospel is a gift. You see, all that we have in the Christian life is a gift. And the love of God is a gift. And you notice that the love of God is given to us. It's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And if it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, it'll be seen in our lives. People will see, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. And that love will be shared. That love is poured into our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And if it's poured into our hearts by the Holy Ghost, it will affect our lives. 
And if it affects our lives, it will affect the lives of others. And if we're gripped by the love of Christ, there'll be no division. There'll be no discord. It will lead to unity. It'll lead to harmony among God's people. And I know that some of you may be sitting there this morning thinking about unity and you may be asking yourself, well, what about John 17, verses 20 and 21, where Jesus prayed that they might be all one, even as we are one, praying to his Father. And I want to tell you this morning, I want to remind you, for those who are listening on the internet, it's a reference to organic oneness. It's a reference to our union with Christ. I believe it's very sad that the ecumenical movement and the charismatic movement have taken these words and used them as a, a, for a call for organizational union, especially with the Church of Rome. And they, they tell openly, they, they state, this is what the Lord was praying about. I want to tell you this morning, he wasn't praying about an, or, an orgas, organizational union with the Church of Rome. He wasn't praying about organizational union at all. He was praying for those who believe in his name. He wasn't praying for the unsaved. He wasn't praying for apostates or, or ecumeniacs. He wasn't praying about apostate Christianity at all. He was praying for those who believe. All who believe in his name. All who trust in him as Lord and Savior. All who adhere to him and rely on him alone for salvation. In Christ. These in Christ they have the same mind. The mind of Christ. And they have the same love. So you have to be in Christ, to be at one with Christ. And if you're not in Christ and no saving union in him, then you've no relationship to him. And you, then you've no relationship to the people of God or to the truth of God. But if you're in Christ and the same mind is given and the love of God is poured into your heart, isn't that why we love Christ? Why do we love him this morning? We were singing there and we were singing very deliberately. We love the place, O God, for in thine honour dwells the joy of thine abode, all earthly joys. Why do we love the place of prayer, the word of God? We love to sing. Here's the reason. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We love him because he first loved us. And because we, we have the love of Christ within us, we ought to love each other. Let me ask again, are you in Christ? Are you a true believer this morning? Have you got the love of God in your heart? Thirdly and finally, we need to heed the need to be low-minded. If you look with me back at the text of Scripture, uh, and this time look at verse 3 and 4 of Philippians 2 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others you see there's a personal aspect to this true harmony the responsibility in every believer let each of you let nothing be done through strife or vain glory there's a practical aspect to this true harmony as well. Think of the word strife or vain glory. True believers are not competing with each other. They're, they're not in competition. They, they cooperate and commune with each other. 
And true believers have a responsibility to promote harmony towards each other. I think of a believer. The Bible calls us to humble yourselves before the Lord that he may exalt you in due time. So a believer humbles himself before the Lord. We could talk about a humble believer, a believer reaching the point in the place where he says, I am nothing and I have nothing and I can do nothing to recommend myself before the Lord. But he's also an honest believer. He recognized that if there's a lack of humility, that that could be because of strife and because of vain glory. The word strife has to do with fights. The word vainglory has to do with pride. And, and what destroys relationship is certainly strife and pride. Think about the home. Think about the house of God. L listen to these references. We'll not turn to them. Proverbs 13 verse 10. Only by pride cometh contentions. Proverbs 28 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride cometh before a fall. And what, what, what's Paul's advice? Do nothing out of strife. Do nothing out of pride. And it's a reference to the work of God. It's a reference to service in the house of God. Imagine serving the Lord and yet striving against each other. Imagine serving the Lord and yet harboring thoughts of pride about Yourself and other believers. I, I'm better than her. I, I'm better than him. And it's a warning here about being involved in the spirit of strife and pride. You see, oftentimes I want to tell you folks, it's not doctrine that destroys and divides the church. I don't believe the Free Presbyterian Church will be destroyed by a division to do with doctrine. But pride could destroy the church. Strife could destroy the church. The story is told of a father-son relationship and the father brought the child up by when they were faced with a choice. The daddy would have said to the son, Now, son, who's the boss? And the wee fellow would have replied, You are, daddy. And that went on for a number of years. And then as the little boy grew up, on one occasion the father said to him in a certain context, reminding the child uh, about his need to obey, Who's the boss, son? And this is what he said, You are daddy, but I'm still in charge. And you see, that little kid didn't get it. They, 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 the spirit of pride was there. And pride can show itself Amongst those that are wealthy. Pride can show itself among those who are poor. Pride can show itself among those who are educated. And those who are not well educated. We, we can take pride in the fact that we're not well educated. But remember God resists the pride. And gives grace to the humble. True believers in Christ should not strive against each other. True believers in Christ should not be full of pride toward each other. It shouldn't be about one's inflated ego. The true child and servant of God will not be about self-promotion. Why? Because if he's like-minded, the mind of Christ, and he's 
got the love of God in his heart. He will also be low-minded. The true believer will strive for low-mindedness. And that will be seen in his actions, in his attitude, in his announcements. Think of verse uh, 3. It says, let each esteem other better than themselves. Here's the third secret, the true harmony in the house of God. This is hard to do. I believe the spirit of pride is in every heart. But adopting the mindset, another believer is better than me. And not defend your own position. And be full of this thought, I am what I am, but the grace of God. Or, or there, go I, but for the grace of God. The Colin Packham out of the faith mission used to say, Woe unto me, Lord, for I too am a man. When he heard about the fall of a man, or a preacher, or an elder, or, or, or a member of the uh, work of God into sin. And rather than point the finger, pray for that individual. And, and, and bring ourselves before the Lord. And, and accept we only are what we are. By the grace of God. Paul was in prison not to promote self. Not looking after number one. He's writing to this church and he's really saying, don't be a selfish believer. That's not Christ's way. Don't be full of selfish ambition. Don't be full of vain conceit. Don't be full of pride. And yet... Doesn't trouble come into the church because of these two things, strife and pride? Only by pride, he says, cometh contention. He, Solomon, links them up together in, in, in a number of references. What's the answer to those who say, but it's not helping my self-esteem. He's not commending me for what I did, and I'm upset. It's not puffing me up. It's not helping me. What's the answer? Low-mindedness. Doesn't the Bible exhort us? Be clothed with humility. First Peter 5 and 5. Someone has rightly said that the way up is the way down. Who is the greatest servant of all? The Lord Jesus Christ. And in John 13, didn't he put on the garment of a slave? Didn't he take the place of a slave? Didn't he wash the disciples' feet? Didn't they set an example? Here's how you're to think and treat each other. Not, not, not exalt yourself. Not vaunt yourself up. But have a low mind. We'll finish this morning. What is the mind of Christ? It's the mind of humiliation. It's the mind of subjection. Christ was subject to the will of God the Father. The mind of Christ led him to the crucifixion, his death on the cross. And I just finish with this thought. This is not optional. This is not even a recommendation. This is not something that's invitational. In the Greek, this is commanded. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Look not every man in his own things, but every man also in the things of others. These are specific commands. This is how we're to live. We're to live, to be like-minded, live to be loving, live to be low-minded as the people of God.
I trust this morning you'll discover the secret of true harmony and you'll strive to put that into practice as far as our individual lives are concerned.